Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Islanders country. Hello, this is the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fan Sided Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at Isles Fix and subscribe to our Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter. And back again, our full-time recurring guest, New Year, same him, Andy Francis. How are you, sir? Yep, like a bad case of herpes, the recurring full-time guest. <laughs> and the reason I start you off with that is because I'm just going to give you a warning. I could log off right now if you want. You're not getting a pleasant Andy. And I know you've probably thought in the past, like, oh, my, what do you mean? That's what we've been getting beforehand? No, I have been kind of, I t- I've mentioned many times the Saturday morning audience. Well, this time around, um, the Islanders have led me to... Um, to no choice but to have to really, really kind of get away from that. You're going to be hearing some unpleasantries from me today. I just want to give you a warning. Okay, so, of course, Islanders finished their four-game Pacific road trip with a 1-3 and record. I'm not sure what your – did you watch – like, what's your sleeping schedule on a West Coast trip? Are you watching – the entire game or oh, yeah. the ones you do? I'm a so you're full vamp, vamp, John Carpenter's Vampires, Valak, that's me. Um, I, I wouldn't miss one minute of that simply because of my uh, sleeping schedule. I'm, I'm, I'm a late guy. I'm a late guy. So no I'll be kids, on, you know, So yeah. I'll schedule. I'll tell you what, what I did. So I watched the Seattle game in full, the game on ESPN. Uh, listened to Chris King and Greg Picker. Great job. The Canuck game is the game I went to sleep early on. Had an early start to the morning. It's a brutal day. First period was awful again. And I said, I'm going to wake up early and see what happened and write the newsletter. That's the game they win. And the uh, the Oiler game stuck with that one. And then the Flame game was like 3 nothing. And my wife was like, do you want to watch Top Gun Maverick? And I said, yes. <laughs> so uh, that, that was my experience. It's tough to break it down on a game-by-game basis as we've been doing these shows on a weekly basis, even in those win streaks. I didn't want to say this at the time, but I thought that the Islanders beating some of those teams on that homestand were more of a product of those teams just simply yeah, not showing up. The flat Penguins, the flat Panthers. And it's not like I saw this exhilarating play from the Islanders that had me ripped and ready to go. I was extremely happy with the results. But as the season's gone on, it's been a constant case of, all right, I'm waiting. Are you, uh, Now are they going to start hitting that Vin Diesel Nas? 
and just waiting for the Nasius, waiting, 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 waiting halfway through the season. And we're just getting a flat team the entire season. There's no urgency ever, ever. They've played 10 good games in 41, yet they've been able to sneak some other results because of the unlikely October comebacks and Vezina level play. But you strip that down and it is been the epitome of mediocrity coming from the Islanders. And the reason I'm so disappointed is because I am one of the people who thought that the the condensed <laughs> schedule in two, in two years, the back-to-back conference finals, the shortened offseason was just grueling on their body. And the same way Vegas had it out West where they were perennial playoff contenders and then fully missed the playoffs. And the same way that people had discounted Boston, called them extremely old. What are they going to do? Is um, Bergeron going to retire? Marchand has offseason surgery. Um, McAvoy has surgery. And the Islanders, I, I just thought like the right thing to do was to give that chance who tasted it, give them another chance with a clean bill of health to go forward and make another push, thinking that they would have it within them. Like the desire would not be an issue. I thought that year missing the playoffs would be all the motivation, but they just go out there and play like a team that doesn't have to earn it. They think they're deserved a playoff spot. All these res- it's the, we'll worry about it tomorrow. Islanders, every single performance looks like we'll worry about it tomorrow. Ah, we'll make that up tomorrow. There's never any urgency in any of these games. Flat first periods every single game. They got buried in three of the four. If Vancouver finished a couple of chances, it would have been four of the four. No urgency and injuries is not an excuse. You have all sorts of teams like those aforementioned Bruins who didn't have Marshawn, didn't have McAvoy, and still were in first place. You can look at so many teams who have to deal with injuries. And it's just it's inexcusable at this point. It's it's beyond frustrating and it's so dis it just makes me so sick to the point where i don't even want to watch because now there's not even the oh well maybe one day i'm coming to the harsh realization that what we've seen and it's not just this stretch we've seen it in long periods at multiple points remember that homestand flyers not a good effort on the road flyers blue jack never giving us good efforts on a consistent basis so there's no reason to be excited and i'm beyond disgusted and that's what i'll really say about how i feel about these islanders at the halfway point take a drink uh clear your throat that was a good monologue right there um listen i'm with you i think 41 games up now 41 games to go and uh, really the theme going into this week is really just how mediocre uh, that first half of the season was, right? It's had moments of spurts, but stops, right? Some encouraging moments, but really just mixed in with really some discouraging results. And I think primarily, as you mentioned, the fact that this is a veteran dressing room that they should be able to fix things themselves quickly. And these first period starts – they have not been able to, and you got to put that on the players in the room. Maybe they're talking about it so much that it's so front and center in their minds that it's, I don't, I don't know if that's having an adverse impact, that it's such a focus that they just can't get out of their own ways in those first periods, but it's really inexcusable and really unexplainable that a team that knows what's at stake, that knows where this group is in terms of what they need to do uh, to make a playoffs and try to keep their contention window possibly open and to do this night in and night out time in and time again over the course of a half a season. I don't know how that, how that sits well. 
Things like the power play not working and being two for 34, 36, whatever it is, maybe that you can put on coaches for not being able to find an answer, not being able to mix things up until very late, although you found out today, I think they're mixing it up again after some modest success um, with uh, shaking it up a few games ago. And they don't have any answers. They say it's not about effort, but it's hard to see well, that is when they're when they're, you know. That's I mean, I think crazy. Casey Zika said today, right? It's not it's not about effort, but it's when you look at how many All shots right. they're giving up, how All many right. shot attempts they're giving up. Anybody game who in and game, believes how is that, it not a little bit about that? If anybody believes that that's not about effort, this is what I want you to do. If you have ESPN Plus, if you have access to NHL games, I want you to go watch the third period of the Colorado Avalanche versus the Edmonton Oilers the other night. The the Colorado Avalanche had lost five games in a row. They're coming off of a Stanley Cup win. There is What motivation is there to go on the road, go all out to try to come back in that game? I watched that team, every single line, give the most dogged efforts you will ever see. I haven't seen that from five minutes from the Islanders. All lines were going balls to the wall, forechecking, pinching, and you felt the urgency. They knew they didn't want to lose a sixth game in a row. They didn't want to drop too far out of the standings, and they put it all on the line. And when I see other teams do this, as I alluded to like four weeks ago, when I watched Vancouver play Calgary in what looked like a playoff intensity level game, why do the Islander Ranger games not even match the intensity of a Vancouver Calgary game? It's sickening. And I don't know if it's the leadership. I don't know if it's nice guy Anders Lee not willing to just bark at some of these players, but you never hear the Boston Bruins have to get a player up to speed. Taylor Hall, no, no issues with him since he's been there. And something about that, what it, whether you want to call it the organization, the locker room, the comfort level, whatever it is, there is no accountability. And everybody, everyone's looking around saying, no, no issues. Everything's pretty good. Everything's pretty good here. And, and it, it's, you know, what, even, it even harkens back a little bit to listen. I think anyone that had playoff hopes last year, that was a, that was a mirage, right? That was not going to happen. But there was long stretches of the year where they were just giving lip service in the, post games about how we're going to get this thing right. We're going to get this thing turned around. And, you know, it just was not going to come, but they had the excuses built in that coincided that, that we gave them the benefit of the doubt this season because of those things that you mentioned, the condensed schedule, the COVID, some injuries, et cetera, whatever it may be. Um, this year, they're saying some of those same things and you don't believe it because they haven't been able to fix it. They were talking about urgency when they were two and four. Right. Lane Lambert was talking about how to be a sense of urgency and they responded. They had a nice stretch in part due to some of those come from behind wins. And you said, all right, they're winning some games that they're not supposed to win. They're picking up points. We're giving them time to figure this out. And at the halfway point, they're not figuring it out. They've been surpassed by Pittsburgh, who has two games in hand. Buffalo might catch them pretty quickly if they stumble on this homestand. And then what? If you're 10th, 11th in the conference, all of a sudden, maybe the playoff hopes this year become a mirage too. Look, I understand if you want to say, hey, injuries, this, that, and the other. I'm not even talking about the results. Look, skill and talent, yes, that is its own thing. But you can look at the screen, and effort is not. Will is not something that needs to be either you're giving it or you're not. And whether it's the coaching, the leadership, they're not giving what they have. They, they're not playing. They're playing closer to playoff uh, preseason hockey than they are to playoff hockey. It's full Are there any players that stand out more than you, more than others that, that fit that mold? I mean, obviously, I think players like. What, lazy? 
Well, that the, you're, you feel like you're not seeing the effort from when you watch this group. I mean, you know, Zach Parisi, I think game in and game out now of for course. a year and a half has been there, right? You got players like Hudson yep. Fashing. He's hungry. It's his moment, his opportunity. We're seeing well, I'm not gonna Barzell's, on, Bell's, Barzell's playing some of his best hockey of the season. Brock but Nelson he's, is so going he to is, the But he's game. putting up points in the same fashion that he did in the Doug Waite season. He's lollygagging his asses on those back checks. When he, and look, I'm not a Barzell complainer like you hear about those people. I understand he's our star and stuff like this. But they're still, like, it's almost like he he's insulting Barry Trotz somewhere like watch this Barry I'm going to turn it over and my ass ain't back checking hard but there's no accountability for these mistakes and if you think like um da- like David Posternock would but was there, sorry wait a second, but line. was there accountability necessarily for the mistakes under Barry Trotz we sort of have a very long rope with all his veterans maybe oh, he, no, no, beat, no, no, maybe no, he no. ripped I, them I up that. in practice but you know all right so so y- y- yes but what I'm saying is it's like you can't just say, oh, you're seeing Barzal's production. I understand, and that is great. But when you're talking about what I'm referring to and the total effort and the commitment to winning, it's just not there. You have a fourth line who's supposed to be like, you know, giving you these jump starts. They're not they're not doing what's necessary. And I'm not, I'm usually not hard on them because I know they're a line that's supposed to really take off in the postseason because that fits their level of play. But Everybody not named Parisi and maybe kind of Pajot, they have more to offer. You you don't see them just getting in on that forecheck and being dogged forecheckers. The thing that made the Islanders tough to play with in the first few years of trots. They would hound you on the forecheck and then they would be a nuisance in the neutral zone. You had to earn every inch and you just don't have to with this team. They, they forget about the details it's really, I just, it goes back to what I always used to call this. They're the roller hockey Islanders. They think their talent is going to carry them through. Talent that clearly is not up to the levels of some of the other teams, like in the conference and division, but it's, oh, just, it's just nuts to me, you know? I'm not trying you know, to put you know you when on... somebody's skating really hard? When somebody's skating their hardest and forechecking and then back to, are you seeing that from the players? Because I certainly am not. So, I'm um, listen, I don't want to, I'm not putting you on the spot here, right? But amongst the forward group, right? We talked about... Pajot were happy with his effort level. Parisi, yes. Bashing, yes. Right. We talked, touched on Barzell. You know, like we said, Brock Nelson is going to an all star game. I think the effort is there for Brock. So, who are we talking about here? Bailey is Bailey. It's been there for, it's been the same story now for a number of years. It's Anthony Beauvillier is probably the guy that you are talking about, the style of play that is most evident when the effort is there with Beauvillier and he's feeling good about his game. It is, it jumps off the screen, how active he is and how much he's on the forecheck. And then when it's not, it's not there. Um, I'm not sure who the, else to really talk about this. I mean, what do you expect from Matt Martin at this stage? He's having actually a pretty good two way type of year in some ways. It's I'm, I'm with you overall. I'm just trying to mentally, I'm thinking back to the season and the games I'm watching individual moments where I'm going, that guy's effort is not, you know, where, where it should be. It's a passive style that they're playing. Like, you know, you can look at players individually, but like, let's say you don't have these young guys in and we're looking at that early season lineup. 
I'm talking about everybody from Beauvillier, Bailey. I know Bailey's slow. I know he's pretty awful at this point, but you can still give everything you have. And he's floating out there. And this isn't a Josh Bailey thing. It's it's everybody, Beauvillier. And I'm even talking about people like Barzal on his – he should care about those small things because they add up to wins. Yes, the fourth line. It's essentially everybody but a handful of players. And it's not like you won't see it in many, many spurts. But it needs to be if, – if you want to know what I'm talking about, watch the third period of that game. Every single person looked like they were holding the speed burst button in NHL because it was that important. Yeah, it was and you never say that. You ne yeah, there's no desperation. Like, do you know what you see from the Islanders if there's two minutes left in the playoffs and you're about to lose? Well, you clearly you can discern what that looks like with your eyes, and you don't have to pick out individual players. It's desperation, and the Islanders continually don't show it. I'm not saying, oh, you know, this one guy, he really is lollygag. It's team-wide. Anders Lee even. Why are we not seeing him bark at people? Why are we not seeing him cross-check a little? Wake people up. You know, and, you he's know, the captain. Thing, we know the Islanders' identity under Barry Trotz and now under Lane Lambert is going through a change in terms of the type of style of game and structure. And although I, I love your line from the last time we met, right. That the system at times is, you know, Barry Trotz's offense mixed in with Doug Waite's defense. No, that is what it is. It's not, it's not at times. That's just simply what it is. So the thing that they always though said, regardless, even when Lane took the job is we want to, we're going to be a team that is difficult to play against. And you can't say that they've been a team to be Couldn't difficult think to play of an against. Easier team to play against. They Seriously. might be the easiest team to play against. Guaranteed entry into the zones. Do what you want. Passive power play, passive penalty. There, I, I couldn't think of an easier team to play against. I mean, it's. And I was what are about you this. worried about when the New York Islanders come into town? Getting shut out by Sorokin, maybe. That's about it. Yeah. I was. Um, it's a line I have in uh, Tuesday's newsletter. So if people listening, they'll probably listen um, to it maybe first. But it, is it fair to say, right? You know, Lou Lamarillo talked about this when he spoke a couple of weeks ago around the fact that he knew that they would be sacrificing some defense, you know, going to lane and, ch you know, changing from the defensive structure of Barry Trotz. But after 41 games, is it not fair to say that the defense has regressed more than the offense has excelled? That you shouldn't even have to ask that question. It's I'd somewhat like rhetorical, you. but like I was just thinking about it. I'm like, so we're making this change from what has been a successful formula for this group for a number of years. And we brought in the new voice because we needed to unlock these players, activate our defense, and become get more with it with the NHL. And yes, everyone, I think, understood that they would not be the same type of defensive team that they were. But the trade-off has been a bad one to this point. They are worse defensively than they are better offensively. Yes, and that's the worst thing you can do because a slightly better offense doesn't even mean that you win. I'll go look at those Doug White Islanders. But a slightly worse defense can take you from a pretty good team into the bunkers a la Washington earlier in the year. When they embraced, yo, we're not the Washington of old. We're going to have to small ball this, which is what they've been doing since they've been starting to win and are now back up in the standings. That's what's allowed them to climb. When you look at yourself and realize, yeah, 
we're not as good as we thought we are, and we need to just do what's necessary to get points, that's when you're going to be successful. The Islanders think they're better than they are because of those two runs, and they're thinking some magic thing's going to happen, and it's not. It's and the and the defense of structure that they played allowed them to stay in a lot of games and win a lot of games where maybe their best efforts were not there because that's going to happen over the course of an 82 game schedule. You're not going to play your best game, but how many games were they able to get points or even get wins without that being the case? Because they always did those other things, right? The decision-making, the structure, the lack of high danger chances they gave. I'm working on something else right now in terms of we all, you know, I saw a stat from, you know, Jay fresh hockey puts out his charts and he had, you know, overall goalie tandems and all situations, the Islanders have the most goals saved above expected in the NHL uh, between Sorokin and, yeah. and Varlamov. And, you know, that jumps out and go, wow, that's great stat. And then you go, well, why is that the case? They're giving up the fifth most high danger chances in the league. And the teams that are ahead of them are all horrendous teams. Awful teams. Did, did you delete the episodes when I brought this up to you in the beginning when the Islanders had a good record? And I said, yeah, okay, keep looking at their goals against. And why don't you look at their goals expected against, which is bottom three in the NHL with the bottom dwellers in the league. And nothing has changed. I don't know how. This has to be one of the biggest scams of all time. But Jay Fresh <laughs> has bumped them up somehow in expected goals per game, uh, expected goals against per 60. And that to me is wild considering what we've seen from them lately it's even worse than before mm-hmm. so i don't know what he's done to uh, get those men i don't know if somebody paid him off to slip him up a, a couple <laughs> spots but i mean what what's really is awful is you look at where we are in the standings that's with that statistic exactly right can you imagine if halak was in there it's disgusting Ruby. it's it's disgusting. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. If 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 you no are with Yardy getting the exceptional goaltending, um, the way they have been uh, throughout the year, and how many games has the first period ended, and your thought to yourself is, they wow, they are lucky to not be down more. Like that thought is there all the time watching these games. Um, so. Listen, I'm, I'm I happy think, you're there, Joe, because you know I, you're kind of been there. I mean, yeah, I'm not, but you know what? You're trying to find that silver lining. Well, here's the and, thing. And, here's the thing, Andy. They have been hot and cold, Jekyll and Hyde, and they bring you back in throughout this year. It's three to four. It's not ten games, right? People go, well, look at ten game stretches of hockey. It's a three to five game stretch with this team. They they might win. They might get eight out of ten points in these five games at home. They've been a really good home team this year. And know what? And then you'll look at the standings, and they'll be, you know, eighth or maybe tied for seven. Then you start feeling good, and then they'll go back on the road and give it all back. Well, well but so, the, then the so problem, when they well, play, when they get when they get some types of results, you want to feel like it's going to be a building point because you go, how can they play the exact same way and be this mediocre and back and forth and not be able to put it together for the course of eighty-two games? And maybe they get a little bit healthier, and and maybe some other things fall into place. So that's what you're hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. But. The problem is when you when you fall into stuff like that, you're not looking at the ingredients of the witch's brew. You can come out with a couple wins, but when you see the formula, you can go, yeah, okay, keep running that formula over and over. See how many more wins you're going to come up. That's why I'm it's never It's not about winning with that formula. It's about being able to buy themselves enough time to, to get the right formula there, right? It's like you they want to have enough wins where you're still in that mix to where 
you know, the light switch turns and all of a sudden you start playing your best brand of hockey. I mean, we talked about it around that when you want to, when do you really want to start replaying your best brand of hockey? You want to do it towards that, you know, two thirds of the way till the season and yeah. carry that momentum into the playoffs. So, you know, could they potentially do that? You know, what are they going to do with the trade deadline? It's the exact same story. It's been year in and year after, year in and year out. They need a score. Are you going to invest? It's very different than the first two years under under Lamarillo. Actually, three, right? The first one, they stood pat. They didn't do anything. Ended up with 102 points, 103 points, whatever it was, home ice in the first round. Then the second year, they made the trade for Paggio and Green. Team didn't win games originally with that, and obviously we saw the the output of that in the in the bubble. And then they made the Palmieri trade as a byproduct of losing Anders Lee. Are you going to invest and trade draft capital for a team that I don't know might might not make the playoffs? When you see, when when you say, oh, two thirds of the way. You want to hit your best hockey. That's absolutely correct. I truly believe that. What you saw from the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL is what I would want to do. Here's the issue. Along the way, you will have seen a piece of it, and we haven't even seen it. Carolina game, Andy. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, look, the Carolina game. Then there was the Pittsburgh game that even though Pittsburgh didn't show up in, at least the Islanders were somewhat skating. There have been a few. I truly think they've played 10 good games, three really good games all season. And you can look at all the other teams in the the division. Pittsburgh's been on like an eight-game win streak. Rangers have been on like an eight-game win. You can look at all these teams, and they go, that we, we, we need to hit that formula. If you're, like, you're the Rangers, we need Shesterkin to be on his game. Our power play needs to be hitting, and our five-on-five five has to be pretty good. Like, you know where you need to be if you're those teams. We don't even know what we're trying to morph to. We don't even know what our best is. Like what you're alluding to is we need to figure out something that actually works. That's considerably different than finding your like formula and be hitting on all cylinders. I mean, it's bad, Jerry, real bad. (laughs) Uh, Joe Bono, Andy Francis, Eyes on Isles podcast. So um, let's uh, just switch gears a little bit. Some of the news of the day. So Islanders practiced. Recording this here on Monday night. And Barzell's little tweak looks to be nothing more than a little tweak. He'll be back in action. And then the encouraging news that Simon Holmstrom was back on the ice, who's in the white jersey. Looks like he's going to likely play and maybe even be, you know, with Barzell. And I mean, if you told me when that injury happened, that collision, if you want to call it a collision, knee on knee with um, Sam Bennett happened, uh, I mean, that looked like a hyperextension, some kind of a serious a knee injury and the fact that, you know, he's back already skating and might play tomorrow is a really encouraging sign. Palmieri missed 20 out of 21 games, still might not be ready despite taking the trip. And and we still don't know what's going on with Adam Pellick. I guess he started skating on his own, but that still seems like he's a ways away. And Oliver Wallstrom hasn't even started skating. So some mildly good news on the injury front. Excited to see Holmstrom back and see whether or not he can kind of pick up where he left off. Um, and, you know, Aturatu probably, you know, that cameo is going to probably come to an end. So really good timing for Holmstrom to to kind of come back. Probably means that Casey Zizekas is back with the fourth line. Um, so just, you know, any thoughts on, you know, what maybe this lineup looks like with Holmstrom back, Zizekas back at center. And, um, you know, some of, you know, starting to get a little bit healthier, although not much. We'll see. I mean, ideally, I'd like to see, you know, I'm. Um... I'm a fan of what I saw from Holmstrom and you would like to see as many healthy pieces in there and get, 
you know, the like spare change out of there to see if you can field a team. Cause you know, with the Islanders, if they are going right are a team that can roll out multiple lines that can score against you. I mean, maybe that will do something. Um, we'll see. Don't sound I mean, when they were, too when they, No, because when they were in the lineup, the same issues persisted. Mm -hmm. To me, this is not a guys in the lineup issue. This is a what are you guys doing? Do you care issue? Like, when are you going to care? We need to see the game go, okay, that's a team trying to win. Never looks that way. It just looks like they're out there. It's it's exhibition hockey to them. And it's just so disheartening. Because especially the Islander fan base, and this is not even me, but your average Islander fan is just some you know rabid carny yelling, shoot the puck. They must be disgusted as they're watching this iteration of the team. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like it's a podcast for another day, but the situation that this team could be in if they don't make the playoffs and don't uh make a little bit of noise or at least have a really long first round series at at worst, it's like where the heck do you go? You know, like I've heard people talk about that, you know, that they're in a competitive rebuild. I don't know if necessarily if that was what they sold a competitive rebuild this year. I mean, yes, they have some younger players a little bit away and they have players currently still in their prime. Um, they got a mix of that. But I, I don't know whether or not I was being sold a competitive rebuild this season when they fired Barry Trotz and brought on Lane Lambert. I thought the no, thought absolutely was not. This was the thought, the thought was is that the team we have is better than what they showed last year, and the wake up call is going to be bringing in Lambert and replacing them with Brooke Trotz. I'm going to give you a little bit, guys, of what you wanted because I think we need to adapt a little bit in today's modern NHL, which wasn't modern two years ago, but now it was modern, and that wake up call hasn't necessarily worked. Players are complimentary of Lane, says he has a great presence, he's got good command, all these things. This is a big job for a first-year head coach. I know he's been around this team. He's been around for a long, long time. But it's a really tough situation. Like, if the GM wasn't who the GM is, this would be like firing block type of scenario for, for an organization if this does not fa- if this failed. Right. If the, Islanders, know what I would if, the, say? if the Islanders did not make the playoffs this year in other types of leagues and other scenarios, it would be a the GM is gone and the first year head coach. Sorry, you didn't get a fair shake, but you're gone, too, because we're bringing in someone else to pick their pick their own guy. That's not the situation here. And that's now the competitive rebuild sale. If you think that they just kind of plot along after this year, regardless of the result. No, they obviously believed that last year was just one that you got to, you know, write off to whatever the excuses you want, the things that we alluded to earlier, and that we're going to be right back to contending just like we were the years before that. As far as the players and everybody communicating that, yeah, that's what I used to say about my teachers who let me do whatever the hell I wanted to. I used to say, oh, he's the best. I I would take his classes every year, couldn't get a better teacher. Yeah, of course, because he made life easy on me, didn't assign anything, and, you know, life was easy, got good grades. That's what just because they're saying good things about him doesn't mean that he's doing a good job. And I mean, and I'm not quick to criticize these people. Yeah, like, you, know, you should give somebody time. But you're complaining about those first periods. Whose job is it to make sure they're ready for the first period? I mean, it's it's like, why are they consistently not ready? So it's either one of two things, him or them. 
And it, I just keep going back to the Bruins. Why is it that no matter who's coaching there, it's never easy to score against them? Why is it that you don't see Pasternak net, right? trying these moves at the <laughs> blue line? And you no, know, because they know, and they've even said this. Like there is no smiling from Bergeron. You do something, he's just going to be staring at you back on the bench. You think Anders is staring at anybody? No, he's smiling. And and there is just not an accountability factor. With well, this that's group. you know, listen. When you go back to the Doug Wade, even Jack Capuano years, right? The Islanders are always criticized by having that country club type feel amongst the group, right? Everyone was each other's friend. They hung out in the summertime. They went on vacations together. They were buddy buddies. And it was that country club feel around the team. And they were a little bit too comfortable, a little bit too complacent. That kind of went out the door under Barry Trotz because they won. And now all of a sudden, the fact that they were this super close-knit group um, was a huge advantage. And part of the reason why they played so well in the bubble, because they were able to bond and they got along so well and they care so much about each other and I guess it's a very fine line. It feels like that where where that continuity and and togetherness and that comfort level with each other is an advantage. And I think maybe we're seeing a little bit where it can work against you when you're playing maybe just hungrier hungrier teams, just hungrier teams night in and night out. Yeah, it's like that. It just seems like they lost their fire for this thing. They just a little bit of Rocky three. They got to go to LA with the Apollo Creed's got to take Stallone out to there. Got to back get to get to go back the eye of the tiger. Right. Yeah. But I feel like they can get knocked out by Mr. Mansion. He's got, he's got the mansion. He's got the cars. He's got the, you know, vacations, the nice suits. Yeah. Except they never won. Except they never beat Apollo in the second one. No, they just got knocked out by Mr. T, and then that's it. They just they're, they're going to act like they won the fight anyway. That's what they're doing. It's well, he, well, he told um, Mickey that he won. Oh yeah, yeah. Before his yeah, his, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I like that Rocky Three analogy. That's what they need. Islanders need the freaking eye of the tiger a little bit. Yeah, get get back, get 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 back to whatever it was that drove you previously, and and yeah, time is. Time isn't running out. Like, and we we talked about it, I think, a week or so ago, where you look at the season conference team and you go, which of these teams are going to be out? And I know all the teams have warts and flaws, but the teams, some of the teams that we talked about during that period have either stabilized things or have gotten better since that since two weeks ago. And the Islanders are the, are the kind of the ones that are, are slipping down a little bit with some upstart teams like Buffalo, um, you know, picking up some steam offensively. Like they go into the bubble with no fans there and are all over Washington every game of that series. What the hell happened? And I don't want to hear that they're too old. Look at these other teams. Look at these Bruins. They're 45 years old yeah. out there. They yeah, look yeah, fine. You know, they're best. They're most, they're most uh, hungry players, 38 years old. <laughs> Seriously. Crazy. They pulled them out of a freaking Eastern uh, Chechia, wherever, whatever it's called now. He's 39 years old. They roped him back, and he's got more points than any Islander. Hunger doesn't seem to be an issue over there. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's this the bagels and the water. Maybe that's slowing them down. But it's it's not good, and it's just so disappointing because I believed. I just thought it's it's just a human mentality. You come LI, that close, LI. you come that close two years in a row. As hockey players, you have to be so hungry. But no, no, it's just apparently not. It's, it sucks. All right. Well, listen. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about maybe some more um, fun things than um, our thoughts on the first forty-one games of the season. He's Andy Francis. I'm Joe Bono. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fan-Sided Sports Network. We'll be right back. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back. Joe Bono and Andy Francis, Eyes on Isles podcast. And while it was only about a 30-second break for you listening to this, it was about a 5- to 10-minute break for us in between the segment because... Andy, the great son that he is, had to help his mother navigate. She just landed back in New York and, as a great son that he is, called an Uber for her to pick her up at the gate, the terminal, the whole thing, and then had to act as her uh, GPS to help her uh, find, which he did successfully with no drama whatsoever. (laughs) Well, it it was the classic, like dinner table conversation where you're yelling at each other, but that's just how kind of how communicating goes. And um, same as my house. Yeah. So my mom needs me in a different state to order the Uber to her there rather than her just click, pick me up. I need to order her an Uber. Then obviously it gets there and say, which one is it? It's an, and there's an air. Couldn't do the taxi line. She couldn't do the yellow. She wouldn't do the yellow cab. I don't know. I, I guess I guess that's just uh, out of style now, you know. Yeah. And they probably, if you're to getting that ride home from the airport, I think they still it's a flat rate. overcharge you. I think it's a flat oh, yeah? rate, though. I don't know what the flat rate is, but well, next time I'm going to say, "Hey, Ma, wait in the cold for a good however so long <laughs> for a cab." No, it was amazing just listening because it just reminded me of conversations I've had with my parents on random things, like. My mother, I was over the house on Saturday afternoon and arguing me, arguing with me about how to copy and paste like a text message. I she was like, I want to get it to another person. How do I get it to another oh, person? I like did that with my you got to copy it and then you go back to the message that you're at because Joey, it doesn't work like that. Maybe I got it. Does, it doesn't shit. work like that. Do they have an iPhone? Yeah, she's got an iPhone. She's got a better phone oh, than I do. Okay, well, they, they, got the facial recognition. I don't even have that yet. Give her option number two which is just hold on the text and then it will allow you to like, it will bring up all like you can select it. And then if you hit the arrow, it will open up a new text with that message. All right. Maybe that was a feature that I haven't seen yet on the phone. I have that. Maybe that sounds more similar to what she was talking about. She was like, I saw cousin Peter do it. He just sends it to the other person. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
cousin Peter, I'll by the way, isn't even my cousin. This is a whole thing in my family too. And we'll get back to the Islanders in a moment. This is my dad's cousin's daughter's husband. And my mother, who's not even blood relative to any of these people, just talks about cousin Peter. Oh, cousin Peter. You would love cousin Peter. I'm like, mom, not my cousin. Like Peter sounds like a great guy. He's just not cousin Peter. She's like, I'm like, you shouldn't be calling him cousin Peter. Maybe dad kind of could call him cousin Peter because it's, you know, his cousin's daughter's husband, but he's just Peter. No, I, I understand <laughs> that. Yeah, we did the same. Like my mom's best friend, like we would call aunt, but we would say like Zia, you know. We no, would... but this guy just came into their lives like in the last like five years. Oh, for... yeah. He doesn't deserve, he deserves nothing. You're just some guy. You're yeah, not cu- she goes, cousin. he's cousin through marriage, Joey. He's cousin through no. marriage. I'm like, I- no, he's a random guy. He's a, what's, what was his name again? Peter. He's a great guy, Peter. Yeah. He's a random guy, Peter to me. And he might be <laughs> great, but he ain't my cousin. How about this on father's day in June last year, right? So my, my birthday, my brother's birthday, my dad's birthday, all in June. And uh, we have, and also Father's Day. So we picked the Father's Day weekend to everyone come to my house in Connecticut and we'll celebrate everything. My dad's birthday, my brother's birthday, my daughter's birthday, Father's Day. We'll just do big. Yeah, we bought food. We got a cake. We like happy everything on the cake, whatever. My brother and his wife ended up getting COVID and they had to cancel. So I'm expecting my parents still to come and they didn't. They didn't want to take the trip to Connecticut just to see one of their sons and two of their grandkids. Yeah, it's got to be. Mo- all my mom even pulled the Joey. You've seen the gas prices with me on the text <laughs> messages. And then the thing is, so I get all upset. We have an argument, like you would like have an argument, and like fine, whatever. Don't come. You don't want to come. Fine. Leave, and we do something else that day. And then later on in the night, I'm getting text messages. This is Cousin Peter's pool. Isn't it beautiful? They went to Mineola. They live in Brooklyn. They went to Mineola to Cousin Peter's on Father's Day. Gas yep. prices were okay out there. Yeah. Oh, no traffic. They're not the same. They're not the same. We went out there, and they're a little bit cheaper, so that's why we went. <laughs> the other thing is they tell me how my dad can't drive in the dark anymore, but he could drive in the dark back from Cousin Peter's house. Just Connecticut oh, dark course. is a little bit different. You know, the street lights are there when you're pulling out. Anyway, that's uh, funny. The family's gas a great price excuse as to why <laughs> she was playing the inflation card in the summer. Ah, that's anyway, really um, yeah, it just it was just great hearing that banter because actually it's 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 comforting to be like, oh, okay, that's that's how it is in other families. I'm, too, I'm happy bit. to know that the level of insanity between me and my mom <laughs> makes you feel at ease about the level of insanity with yours. Oh you're, my god, you're welcome. We're in the family group text. My wife's off. She's like, I can't take it anymore. I'm out of the group text. I'm like, you just can't, you can't leave. You're like, the oh, they'll, like, they'll rope out. you back in. That's the Once funny thing about out. group text. You can withdraw yourself from the conversation and someone else can easily just rope you back no, in. No, she's still out, but it makes my life worse because now I got to communicate things that are in that group text to her like separately oh. through other texts or other channels because she was not back on there. So anyway, like my brother just had a baby. Great news. We got a new Tommy. Tommy Bono is now in the family. And all all they're right. sending all the fam- all the photos to the, the main family group text. And then I got to copy, copy and paste them back no, to my no, wife. No, no. You have to tell your wife that part of removing yourself from the group text, you've also removed yourself from the ability to receive those other things. That is actually part of – see, She'd everything in okay life – <laughs> Yeah, you can teach those life lessons. Everything in life comes with its benefits 
and its downsides. One of the benefits from being in the family group text is you get to see the family pictures, but you also get the gas price text. That's, now, that's true. You, you, now you're without both, and you, you don't just get to pick the best of it. It's not a buffet-style group text where you only get the good stuff. Now you got to deal with those bad ones, too. Yeah, and there, there are plenty of uh, plenty of bad ones. Anyway, so um, <laughs> back to uh, back to the Islanders. So um, just, again, we're going to be kind of you – know, we, went, uh, we went in hard there uh, in the first half of the show. So a little bit on the lighter yeah. side. This Jordan yeah. Everly interview with Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts, got people very nostalgic. And I know the main highlight that people saw was this song that he and Anders Lee and Matt Barr Zell wrote a cute song about, you know, they're going to win the cup and, uh, you know, their style of play and, and whatever the lines were cute stuff. But there were a lot of other really good tidbits in that interview um, that I thought were more more telling. Um, one was how really pissed off he was about, you know, getting selected in the expansion draft. Like, like he was angry. Like they put him on the private plane talking about going to Seattle, having to put on a good face and everything. And that, you know, yeah, it was helpful to be in the city a little bit and start to get a little excited, but he was legit angry when it happened. And, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable, right? You, you start to create your family, you buy a house, you sign a long-term deal, you have success, you have relationships, and then you're, then you're gone. Um, so that was One really of the all-time then- disappointments was that they just left him and, they didn't protect him and leave Bailey as the only $5 guy and force them to take him. And if they didn't want, then whatever, just put well, how much, Martin well, or someone it's a, over there. Also, I mean, how much a part of the equation there was they essentially chose Kyle Palmieri over Eberly. Did they not? Yes. Yeah, well, it was, it was more so move one of the $5 million contracts, protect the fourth line and force them to choose one of these $5 million players because nobody else is worth even taking. And they chose Everly. That's the, I mean, people have told me there was never a chance of them taking Bailey. Okay. So let's say you expose Matt Martin. Okay. So they're not taking him. They're just never doing that. And now there's nobody to take. They're taking Bailey. They're taking Baylor or they're just taking some useless guy we had on there. I mean, Lord knows who it's hard to now think back at that in terms of the thought process. To me, it to me, it that's why I mentioned Palmieri. It to me, it was almost like if we put Everly exposed, they're gonna take Jordan Everly, but we're gonna replace him with Kyle Palmieri. And looking at that trade-off, we think Palmieri is a better player for what we want to do moving forward. That's the only thing I, to me that could make sense, that that was the equation. No, I, I think it was they wanted to, to sign Palmieri. Palmieri and Everly were already on the same team. and then He's a free was, agent, Palmieri. They needed, they needed to I sign I understand, him. but they had played on the same team in that playoff run. It's not like they'd never been on the same roster or anything, and it's like, oh, now we have too many players that we can put out there. It was they needed to shed salary for all the appropriate signings, and they forced – Seattle's hand between Bailey and Eberly, who made essentially the same exact amount of money, then that would clear up the space for um signing no, I get Palmer. that, but let's say let's yeah. say they had made the determination that they want they rather have Jordan Eberly on their roster as opposed to Kyle Palmieri, right? Then would they have gone that other route and that would have forced them to probably you know, either lose Bailey, okay, or maybe someone from that fourth line and lose whatever that that fourth line identity was they're at the same time them, when though. you're trying to bring back cases Ezekis. They're never, they're never taking Matt Martin. There's just a 0% chance of that. They protected Matt Martin. I'm trying to remember. Did they protect Clutterbuck too? 
They, they, they it, protected right? the whole fourth line. Right. So, well, Zizekas was the free agent, right? So he wasn't part of that. So I guess would Clutterbuck have been taken? I mean, they didn't Over have Bailey? to. Just if they swapped Everly with the name Matt Martin, that's it. He's protected. You you got to protect no, no, a certain amount no, of. No, forwards. I understand, but that that would have also meant. Okay, was it just that? Was that the only one? Just Matt Martin with Everly? I guess you're saying. Okay. Yeah, just fl- flip that. Now they have no choice. You either get Bailey or a bum. <laughs> or yeah, but that again, I think I think to AKA my point, bum. right? It, it, it's about it was about the dollars, and they needed to free the dollars to make the free agent signings. And one of them was a signing that pretty much made the exact same money that Jordan Everly made. So to me, it was a Kyle Palmieri over Jordan Everly. You're decision. right, but if they take Bailey, you get both. You get Everly and Palmieri. So you think that was part of the calculus too? That maybe we get lucky here. <laughs> Look, there could always be backdoor deals. Like, listen, I'm going to make both of these guys available, and you yeah, take yeah. like who knows what's said behind closed doors. But I am telling you, if they take Bailey, then you have the same exact money available, and then you have Everly. And now, look, I mean, I'm not. It's not like I'm advocating crazy for that, but you know, he had obvious chemistry with Barzal, and you know, it's tough to say how it would be. I think he would fit right in with the, the lazy, not go balls to the wall <laughs> Islanders because his play was a little like I that. Mean, to I, begin listen, with. I know we're litigating this, and probably you know, another podcast might have done this in, in much more depth a couple of years ago. But the way I'm bringing it up now is you look at you know, obviously, the injury concerns now around Paul Mary after a very lackluster year last year where he struggled and could not find the net, some bad luck got hot towards the end of the year. And then you're looking about that trade-off and, and the reasons maybe behind it. And you're going, oh, man, if that, that you know, because I think I, looking at myself at that point, I was going, okay, they lost Everly, but now Paul Mary's part of the lineup for the next five years. They signed but that contract. That's that. a swap out. And Andrews Lee is now coming back. So it's, you know, they chose Paul Mary and Andrews Lee and the fourth line over Everly, Andrews Lee, and the fourth line. That was the way I thought about it going into the year. And, you know, I wasn't going to be up in arms about it. But you saw he didn't have chemistry with Barzal, which is why he was playing on that third line. So what are you signing him for? To to continue to play with Pajot on the third line? Because that's what he was doing in that anyway, playoff that's, run? I think that's interesting to just look back on in terms of what they saw out of Palmieri during the playoff run that made them feel that 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 he was a better fit than Everly and, and going the other route, like we talked about, sacrificing um, either an exposure, exposing someone in the fourth line I mean, or Josh Bailey over You over want to that. talk about, well, they're both like that, both Everly. And you want to talk about the guys that I'm talking about who are just, hey, we're playing out here and, you know, we're going to clock in at the end of the night. We're going to clock out. You can put Palmieri right on that list when you can go, however, whatever, take all his games that he's played this year. You watch those things. You go, where is this guy? Is he even on the ice? And then he'll randomly score. Yeah, that's that's becoming problematic. You know, there's some contracts that are um, you know going to be off the books. Got one more year left of, of Josh Bailey. You feel like when that's gone, the Palmieri contract might be the one that people are, are focused on. Uh, unless something turns around. And again, I don't know what the I mean, exact they need injury to re-sign is. Sorokin. They need to re-sign Sorokin. Oh. And if they want to keep Mayfield, he deserves a little raise. So you're going to have to use Varlamov's money to pay him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot. Like there. I told um, you it's bad, Jerry, real bad. <laughs> so, um, but the other, the other story I wanted to bring up during that, during that uh, conversation with Friedman is he asked for like a Lou Lamarillo story. And this is one that I probably I don't think Lou is probably would be thrilled about the hockey world knowing on the 32 thoughts podcast. So during COVID the Everly's were 
his wife was pregnant, I guess, with their first child. And because of what was going on in the hospitals and, you know, they had the means, they had a at-home birth. So they had the at-home birth and now weeks and weeks are going by, but because they weren't at a hospital and throughout that regular process, they struggled to get identification for their child that allowed them to leave the U.S. and go back to Canada. So this went on weeks and weeks and weeks, and they felt like we're trapped in New York. We're not going to be able to get back to Canada and we, we want to be back out there, back near family, et cetera, makes a call to Lamarillo. He says the next day, he said the governor of Washington, I think he just means like someone from Washington, D.C. I'm not sure why the governor of Washington, unless they knew that one day he was going to be. Now, when he said that, it made me think, hmm, the governor of Washington, and then he gets left unex <laughs> he gets left unprotected for the Seattle Cracker. Maybe this was the swap. But pretty much he gets a call and they're able to get the identification handled and, you know, he's able to get out of the U.S. and go to Canada, you know, through a phone call from uh, from the Lou father there, which I thought was was quite a revealing story about the uh, L.A. Friedman was like, whoa, that that's power. That is power. So that was yeah, that man. was a pretty classic story. That's good. That's good. I, li I like hearing stuff like that. Yeah. I, and I like to I like to see that, like, you know, Lou takes care of people like that. Right. And his in his matter of fact way. Right. Just making a call. But like. Maybe it's, I would, I would love to know like what call maybe he had to make, or maybe it was just a call from Lou or Lou had to make a call to someone else who made a call, but either I only way. I want the Taves files. That's it. Like those, I, that's all like, I like want. the, like the Twitter files, right? Like one day Andy Francis is going to be like, yeah, the, the, yeah. the Taves files, one of 37. I want to see the emails and messages exchanged. <laughs> I don't the think whole there's email. Do you think there's theoretical, email? we need, we're going to get ready yet. Like, I want to see the the emails from Lou to other GMs to see if he even explored a possibility. I want to see if Trotz texted him, get this bum Taves out of here after the Lightning series. I want to know what happened. <laughs> you're not a conspiracy theorist. You're going to be proven right through the uh, through the Taves files. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch upon <laughs> was the All-Star game. Um, Brock Nelson gets the nod. Happy for Brock. Um, those those decisions that came out um, last week were come, came from the NHL operations department. So I feel like there might have been a little bit like this is the guy that we want to go type of thing. Now at the time those decisions might've been made, he might've been the point leader. And certainly I think he was a deserving candidate during the year. Shesterkin gets the nod over Sorokin. He was snubbed the previous year. He goes to the all-star game. I get it. Not a huge problem with that, despite, you know, some of the underlying numbers for Sorokin. But the question I want to ask you is there's a lot of people on social media when you talk about Sorokin and whether or not he's going to get in on this fan vote that want no part of the all-star game for for him given his workload and then i think um a little bit of um pst with rick dipietro hurting his hip um during the uh during the all-star game competition um uh, back in 2006 uh, did you have an opinion on it do you do you care one way or the other or it's like i don't want my goaltender going out there um to sunrise uh, the, the all-star game means nothing to me i just don't understand like and, and you're not going to get a bigger hockey guy than me i love i could watch hot people play hockey at the corner but it, it's for nothing it means nothing and, and nobody I, I don't know i'm one of those people who thinks the pro bowl is just stupid like, it's no not I'm, foreign I'm not saying i'm gonna yeah i'm not saying in terms of that just in terms of like does the guy deserve it and if he's deserving which i think like another goalie is going to get selected from the metro through this fan vote, like are well, whatever, you like you just said, are you opposed you to your goalie going? Are you opposed to your goalie going because of fear of injury and workload and that stuff? I'd rather him not go. 
Okay. So yeah, you're on, you're on board. Because I don't care about the event because the event is an absolute nothing to me. And also to you think this guy grew up saying, I want to make an NHL all-star game in in some town in Russia. Do you think he gave two shits about making an NHL all-star game? That's (laughs) some bonus language in that. Might be some bonus language in that contract. Uh, oh, if there's something in the contract, of course. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to some Russian kids right now, and we're going to ask them to state to us all of their hockey goals in life. I bet you the Olympics is one, like the Stanley Cup is three, and the NHL All-Star Game is about 16. They'd probably rather make a KHL All-Star Game. You know, I was looking at like one of the press releases, and they were showing all the players that have been selected and which All-Star Game they're going to be in. How many all-star games do you think Sidney Crosby has actually played in? I think it's an 18-year career now. Ten? Four. If he plays, yeah. it be his fifth one. And I'm sure there were some circumstances with short seasons, injuries, and whatnot. But I was like, four? He's like a Willie Mays type. He's in the all-star like, automatically in the game every year if he's healthy. I was like, I forget games? what the, it's always um... played? Well, you forget what some of those scenarios were, I think. But even then, like so Ovechkin overlaps, obviously. I think this is like his eighth or ninth. So there, there, there was some other stuff going on there, I'm guessing. Well, he clearly could make it every year. I mean, something clearly was communicated, whether it was from him or whatever. He obviously declined the option to go. A bunch, yeah. Now, yeah. That just jumped out at me. I was like, wow. And, uh, and he's right on board it's with like me. Premier, I, I would go. Face of the I NHL would, for a number of, or a long time. I would go when I was young, and then when people start to get annoyed that I'm never going, then I'll then I'll do yeah. an obligatory. I remember watching the NSL, NHL All Star Game in '95, '96 when they had the really you know they had the cool like purple and like teal green jerseys, yeah. Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and I remember one game. Maybe it was in Boston. It was like a five-four game. It was great. Like Ray yeah. Bark scored like the game-winning goal like in overtime. I think you know I don't know who the Islander. Maybe it was Pierre Turgeon. Might have been the. Uh, the representative. I remember one time Turgeon, I think the game at the Garden in 94, he had like four assists. And I'm like, he should have deserved the MVP, but they gave it to Richter. Um, <laughs> still, still upset about that. This three on three format, though, is no, no good. Um, what I, I mean, the skills competition used to be, I used to get very much into the skills competition. Now I don't even yeah, know that, what that the skill competition cool. is. When they had the basic core, like, we're going to do the accuracy, we're going to do the hardest shot. I mean, that You're was 100% right. And they've got too many gimmicks now with it. Yeah, they turned it into American Gladiators, Global Guts. Like They're making up things as they go. No, it should be the core things that you want to see people beat the old records for. And it's not. It lost its luster. The All-Star Game lost its luster. I literally don't even watch it now. Yeah, and the targets aren't even like the targets that broke anymore. They're like LED targets, I think. Which Yeah, half the the shots don't register, and then they just have to randomly take an additional slap (laughs) shot. It's... It's a real embarrassment. Going and then, uh, and then, lastly, did you? Uh, you said you watch hockey no matter what. Were you into the NHL uh, Winter Classic this year on January second? Yeah, I watched it. Um, you know those games. I always take the under because it's just different ice. The the conditions, like you saw, especially like on power plays, how the puck will randomly hit these little ruts yeah. and whatnot. I, mean, I find were it interesting. Yankee, were you at Yankee Stadium back in twenty fourteen? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, my brother was on the Junior Islanders, and he actually played on the rink that day against the Junior Rangers. So oh, that's, a, that's a long day to be there. Well, yeah. no, it was. It was. I'm just saying that was because remember there were a couple different games. Yeah, the devil, like, they played the Devils, like the, and then yeah, so it was on one of the 
it, it wasn't like they played it wasn't before game. the game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Correct. It was during the day. Like, I think it might've even been like between uh, there was a day between games or something like that. So that was a really, that cool may have been the coldest see. I've ever been at a sporting event. I went to a, I went to, I'm a giants fan, but I went to, uh, cause it was going to be the last game ever at old giant stadium, jets, Bengals, jets to like win and go into the playoffs. And like, yeah, I remember that. And, and I went to that game and year. I, you know, and I year. really layered up and I was okay. Wind like it really wasn't too windy, although the temperature was freezing. The Yankee Stadium game was horribly cold, and where people went just waited in the bathroom during all of intermission. It was just a bunch of dudes. You would go use the urinal, and then you would just stand there by the hand was warmer that, as long as you could. That game wasn't in Cincinnati. Their last game? No, that game was that they played the next the next week. They played at Cincinnati in the playoffs and beat them. Yeah, against the starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I, just, I just referenced Cincinnati that. kind of mailed it in too. So like Cincinnati like didn't play their starters because they were locked in and there was going to be a repeat against the Jets and yeah, they let the Jets yeah, in and then the, the Jets, Jets made win. them pay for it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I was just telling. I just referenced that this past weekend when somebody said to me like, ah, like I don't want to play Baltimore. They're Bengals fans. Like I don't want to play Baltimore again next week. Like it's so weird. We got to play them now and then play them again next week. I was like, I remember that same thing with the Bengals, with the jets when they, they played yeah. them the last week of the year. And it was just, the, it was different because the Bengals rested everyone this time, Baltimore, even though they could win the division rested everyone knowing they didn't have a good chance without Lamar. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, Anyway, so, all right, so we're both at Yankee Stadium. We're not going to be watching the All-Star game, and uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see our, how our families this, are crazy. This, <laughs> we'll see how this homestand goes, because you, you know how things go. Like, you could always hope that, like, one nice stretch can, can change it all, um, but, you know. Those, yeah, those we hope. We hope. Thank you for sticking with us to the end here. We hope that we're singing a different tune, and Listen, they're in, they're still in playoff position, playoff mix. Like you mentioned before, we've seen other teams go on these six, seven, eight game winning streaks. It has not happened for them yet. If you do that, you're going to go up, up, up the standings. Probably be in third place in the Metro. Um, so there's still an opportunity if they want to uh, get their act together and play their best hockey. But correct, like you said, the, the only part is that the 41 games we've seen so far do not give us. We haven't seen enough snapshots of that to think that they can do it consistently you phrased on. it correctly if they want they have enough we've seen them play to their best ability i don't care if it's one year two years these guys are not 40 years old if they want it they can get it but if they want to act like it's owed to them and no no we're gonna nah, those results will come but our play will no it's all gonna be fine they continue with that approach they're going nowhere mm. Well, it all gets uh, started uh, Tuesday night against Dallas, five-game homestand. Islanders need to make up some points that they gave up on this uh, one-in-three road trip. So that'll do it for this episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast. For Mr. Uber driver himself, Andy Francis, I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next time on this country. Good night. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.